Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Um, my name is Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor, if we haven't had a chance to meet. And it is my honor to have um, Dr. Corky Alexander uh, with us today. He's actually, the, the biggest honor is that he's my father-in-law, so he helped give the greatest gift that I have ever received in my life. Um, in, in hope. And so more than that, you know the, you know the commercial, uh, the Dos Equis commercial, the most interesting man in the world? That guy doesn't hold a, hold a candle to my father-in-law, okay? If I stood here and tried to recount to you all of the interests that my father-in-law has, we would be here all day and he wouldn't have any time to bring the word to us this morning. He is a phenomenal, he is, um, and I've never told him this personally, but uh, until I heard Phil Keggy play live, Corky uh, was the greatest guitar player I'd ever heard live, um, and he's just phenomenal uh, at that, ridiculously talented musically. He's one of those guys, it's like if it's got strings on it, he can pick it up and play it, it doesn't matter uh, what it is, and so, but on top of that, uh, he's got a, a doctor of missiology from Fuller uh, Theological Seminary in California. He's been a pastor for 27 years, now he's serving uh, in, in South Dakota, working on the uh, Native American reservation out there. And he's going to tell you a little bit about that. But if you want to hear his entire kind of testimony, how God opened up uh, this, this avenue of opportunity for him, all you have to do is pull out your phone or your, uh, go home on your laptop and Google Corky Alexander TBN. Uh, one night he was on there and he shared his testimony about how God has led him down this route. A couple things that he probably won't mention that I will. Um, intelligent, incredibly brilliant, and very insightful, but probably the greatest storyteller that I know. So he's got the guitar playing, he's got the storytelling, phenomenal preacher, huge wide array of interest. He's got some, I think, some books out uh, in the lobby uh, that he's written on, on a variety of topics. And if you're you know, your interest gets sparked, you can check that out this morning. So it's, again, I'm not going to give a long introduction. I've kind of rambled enough. So it's my honor, my pleasure. I'm excited to sit with you and listen to what Dr. Corky Alexander brings us this morning. Would you put your hands together and welcome him? What am I supposed to do? Buy him dinner <laughs> and breakfast? That's awful sweet, man. You know, Josh is kind of quiet, you know, and uh, at least where I come from, he's kind of a quiet fellow, but he makes up for it. You you fixed it all. <laughs> Not that there was anything wrong. Well, it's an honor, real honor to be with you here, and we've been here a number of times. I kind of slip in, slip out, and uh, uh, obviously it's a great honor to have been uh, the dad to see Hope develop, and she was there when we planted churches in Rhode Island and Georgia, and then, of course, you know that my wife and I are also educators, and we stay kind of spread out because there's not a Pentecostal history position on every corner uh, for someone to teach, and there's not a Native American missionary position on every corner. So we're kind of diverse, and it, it kind of spreads us out. But uh, Hope was a joy. She probably hasn't told you a lot about her miracle, the miracle that she was, and how they didn't think she would live and all that. And she gets kind of she tired of hearing all that. But for, for Mom and I, you know, that was like in our first church that we pastored, it was, a, it was a powerful miracle that really uh, defined our ministry. And so uh, Hope's one of three daughters that are worship leaders and fired up 
uh, Holy Ghost Girls, and and I'm I'm awful proud of all three of them, especially Hope. And you know, I threatened to buy her keyboard <laughs> years ago, and never got around to it, or didn't have the money one, but she got it anyway. And so God has been so faithful. Uh, Josh, we knew as a student because you know my wife and I are both educators, and uh, we knew Josh as a wonderful student who I, I'm going to tell you was an excellent student uh, despite a number of losses that he went through uh, during the time. I remember him holding straight A's in seminary when his father was in the process of dying of cancer, and he was commuting to West Virginia to take care of his mom. We're just talking about some real noble saints of God, and you probably already know that with them as your pastors, but I'm so proud this morning. Well, I'm a weird guy. Uh, name is Corky. You can go ahead and tell your neighbor right now his name really is Corky. And that troubles a lot of people, but they're just going to have to go study. Uh, I didn't choose the name, but I have fulfilled the name. Now, that's something about uh, these Bible names, you know. They kind of tell who they are, and they kind of predict who they're going to be. And so I am Corky. Everything about me is that. And I think I did a darn good job of being a traditional pastor for 27 years and being corky. I got through it. I'm a converted drug dealer, rock musician, saved in the Jesus movement. On the corner of Peachtree Road, Peachtree Industrial Boulevard in Atlanta, Georgia, at 3 o'clock in the morning on January the 7th, 1974. And since that time, I have never forgot what it is to be an outsider of the church. Uh, even though I became a big ordained bishop and district overseer and all that good stuff, I never forgot what it was like to be an outsider of the church. So when I came to a turning point in my ministry, I, I told God, I said, listen, you've got hundreds of brown-headed little preachers that would be perfectly happy to do the traditional pastor thing. Why don't you give me the weird stuff? And God knew my heart. Uh, and I was prepared to do that, so he has took me up on that deal. And so now I do nothing but weird stuff. I spent eight years serving developmentally disabled adults in a music program. And then at the end of a 10-year run, I now am a full-time missionary to the Lakota people in South Dakota. And I'm back and forth because... Um, Maybe if I keep moving, they won't be able to catch me. Uh, but uh, this morning, I believe we've got a word that's a good news for you. Uh, and that is that God loves you so much that he still walks the dark hills for you and your loved ones. It's a big old world out there. Some may say amen. It's a big old world out there. And we've got a God that's just big enough for that world. Much bigger than that world. God loves people so much, he's not going to wait on you to witness to them. He's already there. So then, evangelism, or soul winning, is not a delivery system, but it is a treasure hunt. As we go throughout the world, discovering what God is up to. And so, it, it's, you're never the first one to ever share the gospel with anybody. Because the Spirit of God, as the Bible teaches us, goes throughout the whole earth, searching for those whose hearts are turned toward God. And in, 
in Psalm 107 this morning, I want to point out a few verses. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those He redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You know, God has created this world, and this world is full of all kinds of sacred space. Uh, we live in a beautiful country, just America. You know, I was privileged not long ago just to be at Devil's Tower in Wyoming. And it's a sacred place for Native people. When you go to Devil's Tower, you, you uh, see all the prayer flags hanging up. Kind of reminds you of Mount Everest a little bit. Because that's, that's where indigenous people go to worship God. And so I was at Devil's Tower, and there was a, a southern guy. I could tell by the way he talked, and obviously my speech betrays me, uh, that I'm pretty deep south. My diet is also. And uh, <laughs> southern born, southern bred, when I die, I'll be southern dead. It's just a simple thing. Uh, but uh, anyway, he was kind of coughing a little bit and making some racket behind me. I was really there, you know, to be alone and be quiet. But, you know, you can't get by yourself hardly. And so uh, finally he comes up, and I'm standing there looking in the, through the trees, and, and he said, what are you looking at? And I said, shh. And there were 14 deer right there just 15 feet away from us laying in the grass. He couldn't see him because he's barging through, bless his heart, he's got all those screaming kids. And it's, it's a, a lot of thrashing going on there. But there are so many sacred places in the world. You know, the Bible is kind of clear that in the New Testament, not only did Israel, but the church kind of got hung up on buildings. It's a problem that church people have always had. And uh, temple idolatry is addressed in the New Testament. But, um, you know, we had several preachers who spoke kind of directly uh, about the temple not being able to hold God. You remember Stephen gets up in Acts and he says, you know, a, a temple made with hands cannot contain God. And we know we believe that, right? Amen. We know the church can't hold God. But, you know, we tend to get hung up on that thing. And we spend all of our energy trying to get people to come into our little building. And there's a mobility that's unique to the New Testament that I'm really thankful that you are demonstrating this morning. I'm glad we're out here, amen, out here in public. This is a public worship service. Do you know how many churches can't have those? because their buildings are so insulated geographically, architecturally, in every way. I, I, I threatened to write a book one day called Buildings Schmildings. I don't think it'll sell anything. But, you know, God didn't call us to be architects. God wants us to go out and know all the world, share the gospel, the good news with every creature. Can you say Amen. And so this morning, I'm, I'm giving thanks to the Lord because 
it says here, he gathers people in from the lands. There's so many different types of people groups, and they're, they're popping up on the screen there. Those are my folks right there. Uh, and they're all out in the earth. They're, they're all out here too. Many of them won't go to church on Sunday, not because they don't want to, but because that's the only time that they can do their ceremonies or, you know, if they're bikers, they do their bike rides or if they're a motocross person, maybe they're at a race or if they're a barrel racer, maybe they're at a barrel race or maybe in NASCAR, maybe they're racing cars or whatever they're doing. If they're guitar pickers, they're probably playing for somebody. And um, there's just a lot of people groups that are not reached by the church like they need to be. And these people are given to us in Psalm 107. If you just, I'm not going to read every verse, but I just want to point out several people groups that are not able to be in church. And the first one says, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. And this looks like homeless people. But he led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. And then the second group, some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons, for they rebelled against the words of God. So here's prisoners, you know, which can't go to church. Um, you don't want them to come to church, not to yours. And, um, but God, in verse 16, shatters the doors of bronze, glory to God, and cuts into two the bars of iron. Then there's another group in verse 17. Some were sick through their sinful ways. Because of their iniquities endured affliction, they loathed any kind of food, drew near to the gates of death. I tend to look at this as, as addicts, people that are suffering from addictions. Then in verse 23, the next group. Some went down to the sea in ships. Come on, somebody. Doing business on the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wonderful works in the deep. And so these are sailors. Are we in sailor country this morning? Can I get a witness? Is God out on the water? Does God go out there? Or do you have to wait till the ship comes in before you can meet with God? How is it? I can't get anybody to talk to the preacher this morning. You know, I mean, come on. You know what, it, what it's about. Thank God for those chaplains. Thank God for those gospel services. Thank God... That God is not limited to the, the, the cathedrals and temples of our land, but that God is moving throughout the entire earth. Hallelujah. And, you know, he's able to do this because he's a God that's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I do is rodeo camps. And... Uh, um, in the rodeo camps we did, and we were blessed to be able to start the first one in Tennessee ever. Can you imagine? I don't even ride a horse. Um, and start the first rodeo, Christian rodeo camp in Tennessee. But saw one in uh, Wyoming when we took our daughter out there with Youth of the Mission. And then God helped us to found several of those in Tennessee. And now getting ready to do my second one in South Dakota. There's just a vision that we need to get uh, for people groups that are kind of scattered out through the world. And I really want to exhort you this morning, I really want to set a fire in your heart 
to believe that when you go out there that you're actually going to meet with God and worship God. And I know it doesn't feel very religious, but I somehow I feel like God likes that when things don't feel religious. I think that God is happy when we're in this other world. Well, I was, I was out at Bear Butte, and I think he had a picture of a mountain on there. Bear Butte was, will come up in a few minutes. But um, I was out there with a bunch of Lakota people. Some were Christians, some were traditional Indians. And we were in prayer ceremony together. And, and they asked me, he said, won't you come do us a rodeo camp? You do rodeo camps in Tennessee, right? And I said, well, yeah, but y'all the horse nation. How am I going to help you? I thought, y'all were the horse nation. He said, yeah, but you can get the champions, the PBR bull riding champions, and we can't get them, and we want you to come do us one. So I said, okay, I'll come do you one. And they cost about $5,000 each, last about three days. I average about 59 campers at every one of those. And um, they said, well, who would you bring? I said, well, it, my, my best buddy is Cody Custer. You know, he's a famous bull rider, champion, rode with Lane Frost of the Eight Seconds movie, and he's a friend. And they said, well, our people killed his people. And uh, Cody Custer is a cousin of General Custer, actually. And so I said, now that you mention it, you're right. And, and the people that are sitting in front of me are descendants of the Little Bighorn Warriors. And... Uh, they said, so we're going to do a rodeo camp with Custer family and the Crazy Horse family. And I said, sounds like it. And I said, Cody's, Cody had a son got killed in a car wreck last year. They said, bring him on down here. We'll wrap him up in a blanket and honor him. And so, sure enough, when the time came around for the camp to be, we had the rodeo camp, the bull riders rode, the barrel racers rode, we ate the Indian tacos, and we did all that stuff, and at the end, they had a big reconciliation service that the Native people had planned, and they made star quilts by hand and brought them and wrapped them around the Cody Custer, and there was descendants of three little bighorn warriors, Yellow Cloud, Coffee, and Bravehawk, and all the women and children, descendants of those warriors, came and kissed Cody, and they had a reconciliation. Well, of course, the TV cameras heard about it, and they were there too. It made such a big deal that they finally just said, we need you to just come on, move out here. And so it's, you know, you're talking about Indian Reservation where there's 87% unemployment rate. You're talking about there for a number of months, we averaged five teenagers a month suicide. And you know something about the despair there. But my work is, for the most part, is uh, empowerment. Uh, I work with education, music, I'm involved, play with Lakota band. We do uh, Lakota revivals and things like that. And so I'm a little different because if you went on a traditional mission trip with the church, you know, they would give out clothes and food, and then you would see mostly only women and children, rarely ever see any men. But my ministry is primarily with the men, so that's what really uh, distinguishes what I do, if, in case you want to know about that. But I just want you to know, you know, about 4 million Native Americans in this country right now, there were 500 tribes here at the time Columbus came, um, and less than 2% born again. 
And so we failed at our very first mission target. And it's been, it's been tough and it's been hard and it's dangerous work. But the good news is that God still walks the dark hills. And I'm glad to know that he's out there with these sailors and these addicts and these, these homeless people. Can you say praise the Lord? But not only is there a cry going out, but there's a call. Because there are sacred places in the world, God can speak to you off a mountaintop or maybe in a prayer closet somewhere like he did Moses when God reminded Moses what we need to be reminded of. The cry of my people have come up before me. I've heard their cry. I've seen their affliction. And now I'm come down to deliver them. How does God come down to deliver those that are far away from God? He does so by sending Moses or sending you. Amen? And then there will come a call, and then there's got to be a conversion. And this is the, the big thing that I want to talk about today is that it's time for the church to get converted. It's time for the church. I don't mean we're not saved. I don't, I, I don't mean we're not forgiven. I don't mean we're not redeemed. But I mean there's an experience that needs to happen for us, what happened for Simon Peter in Acts chapter 10. Do you remember? There was a man by the name of Cornelius. He was an outsider. He was an outsider. And, and he offered up alms and ceremonies to God. And, and God heard his prayers. I know there's some preachers that say that God won't hear a Jewish prayer or God won't hear any prayer other than the sinner's prayer. But I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I believe God hears any sincere prayer that anyone utters to him. And Cornelius did so, and God accepted his prayer and then gave him a vision that there would be a man named Peter come to his house. But you remember when Peter... And Peter's asleep on the rooftop when Cornelius, uh, God is speaking to Cornelius. Isn't that the way it is? Isn't the church kind of asleep when it comes to God reaching the outsiders and reaching the lost? We're just kind of asleep on that thing. And so when God lets the sheet down with all the animals on it to illustrate to him that he's going to take him into a kind of unclean realm here, you're going to be kind of get kind of dirty, you're going to get some dirt on your hands. And what Peter said, well, I can't do that. I've always stayed away from those things. Uh, that, I've never done that, Lord. He was proud to say, I don't associate with those people. And yet, God said, don't call common what I've called clean. Uh, don't, you know, don't, don't call them heathens. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us anywhere to call them that. We're supposed to worship and acknowledge the God that's already at work in their lives. Before you came to Christ in the church, was God dealing with you? I bet if we went around this morning, we could get a hundred stories of how God goes down into the bars and how God climbs up into bed with depressed people and how God reaches out in those creative ways that only He can do to get, get a hold of us. Amen? I was talking to a Pawnee elder who's a Baptist preacher in uh, Oklahoma. The Pawnee Indians had a word for God 9,000 years ago. 
that called God he who walks on water. That was 9,000 years ago. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And when the Bible came to the Pawnee ever how many years ago, they, they, they heard him preach about Jesus walking on the water. And the Pawnee elders said, well, we knew he did. We just didn't know when. And in this story, we see the beautiful providential hand of God and how God wants to involve all of us together in this grand work of redemption. Can you say praise the Lord that God wants to take us to some people and we know some stuff and they know some stuff. My older sister, when we got saved, you know, we were smoking pot to get revelations on Scripture, you know, first couple of weeks, you know. And, and we were rolling up in these churches, and we looked like the Manson family, and we just prayed that the dog that got out of our conversion van, that's what we called it, pick up hitchhikers, get them converted. And we just prayed that the dog that jumped out of our conversion van was not going to dig up the flower garden in the church while we were at service. Soda cans rolling out of that car and garbage. And we went in and see all the mamas pull their children up close to them. And, you know, and we looked like the Manson family coming to church on Sunday morning. I know what that feeling was like. I've never forgot it. But... The beautiful thing is that my sister knew a little more about the Bible than I did. And then we met this other person who knew a little bit more. It was kind of like playing guitar, you guitar pickers. You ever remember in the old days if somebody said, I know a guy across town that can play smoke on the water. And all the boys on Friday night go out to the house and sit down to watch him play. You know, remember when the guy had the riff? You remember that. I know you do. It's all over him. I know. And it was all over me. And, and we would go, you know, say, oh, and there was a guy across town that can play I Feel Fine by the Beatles. And that's a hard one. Because you're not just playing bar chords. You're picking junk out. Amen? And, but that's the beauty. That's the way God wants this revelation to come he wants to involve everybody you got some stuff you know some stuff indians know things we don't know one one good example in the native american uh, culture every native american tribe has a trickster in their culture and so if your jacket gets tore the trickster did it so when they come to the bible start studying the bible and you start talking about Satan, they say, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's your trickster. And white people have to write books about that called The Problem of Evil. Yeah. If he's a loving God, why would he create a devil? I don't understand. I can't pray. I don't understand. And the native people can help us with that. They can help us with that because they got tricksters all around them. Oh, yeah, devil just trickster. And there's so many other ways. Besides sweet potatoes and corn and so many other 
things that they gave us. I can't get anybody to shout about sweet potatoes and corn. And Cracker Barrel's not but a stone throw away. But we owe so much to each other. Why can't we love on each other? Amen. And i got to close this. Um, a lady went home from church, and her husband was in the recliner, and he said, what did he preach on? She said, he never did say. <laughs> but I'm gone, folks. And... Uh, and I, I've been, my whole heart has been changed. Um, I'm out where, you know, this is Bible Belt, really. I'm out there, it ain't the Bible Belt. And I was on, a, I rode the Greyhound bus. I was on the Greyhound bus for like two solid days. And a black man's on the bus preaching using the F word. And I said, I might need to talk to you about that. He said, some kind of problem? You know, everybody don't get it like you get it. Everybody don't understand it the way you understand it. But here's the good news. I'm going to close with this this morning. You might have a son out there somewhere. You might have a girl out there somewhere. God loves them. And he's walking the dark hills. Isn't that good news? And that God is about touching them and bringing them to his heart. And you don't have to worry a single minute. You just need to get busy with sharing the heart and love of God with somebody that's not going not gonna to think like you think. I went to Peru. That's a picture in Peru. And... You think when you go that you're not going to understand anything. The man that pastors the church at the highest altitude on earth is a Church of God pastor who wears cowboy boots and sings country gospel. I met him. And I mean, you'd have thought Elvis was coming in. They brought him in and said, this man pastors the church at the highest altitude of the earth. Because when you go to Peru, they give you cocaine tea to drink on the plane that's different isn't it isn't that different there's places that you can go where they give you cocaine to drink I wouldn't recommend that as a an interest to go but I'm just telling you that it's a big old world out there and let's get busy why don't you stand up with me? I want to pray a prayer with you right now. And I just want to ask God to open our hearts and make them so big. Thank you for letting me give these scattered remarks today. Father, I thank you today that you went into all the world, that you were the son that was sent from the Father, that you became flesh, dwelt among men. I thank you, Lord, that you love all of these families and these people here in Chesapeake, Virginia. And I'm asking you, God, by your Holy Spirit, to envelop us with your love and give us a passion that we'll go into this big old world and share this big God and this God of diversity, the God that loves everybody. 
God, keep Christians from just fighting each other over things that don't matter. And give us a vision for the harvest. If there are lost sons and daughters represented by these people standing here this morning. Lord, we're not just going to ask you to save them. We just want to ask you to give us vision of how you're going to do it. And we'll celebrate it. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.